Yep, no worries. Uh, well, as I said, listeners, today our very special guest on the airways on the telephone is Mr. Russell Morris. How are you, Russell? I'm really good, Phil. Thanks. Oh, mate, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. I really appreciate that. I know you're a busy, busy man. Uh, even I, even with COVID, it's sort of slowing you down a bit, but I, I know you've got a few gigs happening, uh, uh, one today, um, a little, and you've also got one coming up next month. Is that right? I've, I've got four coming up next month, so that's good. And Because uh, I'm up in Queensland, and uh, Queensland's still open at this stage, touch okay. wood, so that those shows uh, can still go ahead. Fantastic. And you've also got that big boat cruise happening next year with a bunch of great Australian artists and Susie Quattro is the headliner, I believe. Yeah, that's in November next year. Yeah. So hopefully the world is not in lockdown next year. We'll see how we go. So fingers fingers crossed, mate. You'll be um, you'll be still able to do that gig without any dramas. Yeah, fantastic. It'll mate, be a bit of fun. I think it'll be great fun, mate. I think it'll be excellent fun. Look, before we before we start talking about um, your later albums, I wanted to touch on some of your early early stuff from right back from the start of your career. If you wouldn't mind talking us through some of your tracks. Yep. Okay, what I, what I wanted to do because I've had I've had a few of the the listeners when they realised you were going to be the special guest today. What they did was they sort of sent me in some messages and said, "Oh, can you ask him this? Can you ask him that?" One of the questions they wanted to ask me uh, to ask is in so many people asked this question was to do with your big big hit back in the nineteen sixty eight. I think it was the real thing. Now that sixty nine, sixty nine. Okay, now that yep. was written by Johnny Young. And uh, it was produced by Ian, Mel- uh, Ian Meldrum and Molly Meldrum. Yep. Was that song specifically written for you? Was the question, or was it written for somebody else? And Molly heard it and said, "No, nah, this is a track. We've got to give this to Russell because it's such a great well, track. It's it's really a Russell track. You know what I mean?" What happened? I was in a band called Somebody's Image, and the band looked like it was disintegrating because a couple of guys wanted to do this and wanted to do that, and yep. I decided I want to go solo. So I approached Johnny Young and said. I want to be a solo artist. Can you give me an artist? Can you give me any um, sort of hints or direction? Right. And he virtually patted me on the head and, and said, when you grow up to be a big pop star like me, you might be able to do it, but good luck. Okay. And did, that was this. And uh, that was about all, of, all the response I got from him. And then I did the go show, the final go show. It was the only time I appeared on it. And he was on the panel and I sang the somebody's image hit but I did it as a solo artist and sang it by myself. Okay. And the kids all went nuts and Johnny saw dollar signs. Okay. And I came off stage and he was waiting for me in the dressing room and he said, Um, would you like some songs? Okay. I've written some songs. And I said, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he played me some songs and Ian Meldrum was there and so was Michael Barnett who was managing me at the time. And we listened to them and said, Yeah, they're all right, they're okay, yeah. Girl, I love you. That's not a bad song, but we're looking for something different. Have you got anything different? And he said, no, not really. So I've written this song as a joke. He said, it's more for a band. He said, there's some friends of mine in a band that uh, that might might record this. And we said, play it. And he played it. And Ian and I looked at each other and said, that's the song we want. And Johnny said, that's not a solo artist song. You're nuts. Uh We said, that's the song we want. That's the one. Okay. And... For that reason, that that's what happened, and his version of it was vastly different to what it became. Because mm-hmm. Ian Meldrum 
had this incredible far-sighted vision of what the song would become. And without Ian Meldrum, that song never would have become what it was. The song mm-hmm. was a great song in itself, yep. but it needed something special, and that special was Ian. Okay, and, he, and, and, and naturally um, Ian dragged up all the finest talent he could in Melbourne to give you, you know, you, you had people like from the group that was backing the vocals on it. And, yeah, uh, there was lots of people on there. Yep, and lots and lots of people on that on that particular record, and it, it ran for like six and a half minutes. So, uh, uh, other than I think probably "Hey Jude" by the Beatles at around about the same time period, that would have been a, a real <laughs> a turnaround for Australian radio and an Australian artist to have a track that ran nearly six and a half or seven minutes, wouldn't it? Surely. Yeah, well, it was only supposed to be three and a half, but the band got to the end of the song and. The drummer played a fill and they went into double time. Right. And the engineer was about to push the button and say, okay, that's it. Because uh-huh. he looked at Ian and said, is that the end of the song? Yep. And uh- we said, yeah, that's it. And uh, as he went to push it, Ian said, no, no, let him play. Okay, okay. So they just played and played till the drummer actually did a fill and threw his sticks down to finish it. <laughs> and uh, Ian, said, Ian said, don't worry, we'll fade that. Okay. And um, we'll fade it after the end of the song. And then that night he rang me up and he said, I've got this brilliant idea. He said, I want the song to be six and a half minutes long. Wow. And I said, you're nuts. No one will play it. I said, what are you going to do with the last three minutes? I said, there's nothing there. Yep. Yep. He said, we'll put sound effects. He did. Yeah. And uh, so he was the one that had that vision, not me Uh uh, or Johnny Young. Johnny Young wasn't even allowed in the studio. Oh, wow. Okay. So it was was Ian's, totally Ian's uh, idea and for that end, it was totally in, no one else. Right. So it wasn't, see, I've, I've heard all these rumours that that song was actually written for somebody else and it was actually no. Molly who said, no, nah, we want this for Russell. So it was, it was just a song you and Russell, you and Ian sort of said, hey, let's do that. Yeah, and Michael Barnett. We all heard it and liked it. And yep. Johnny said it was for some friends who had a rock band. He yeah. said, no, this is a rock band song. He said okay. it's not because he wrote it very much like Pictures of Matchstick Men. Okay. Okay. He said, that's how it should be. And we said, no, no, we don't see it like that. And he thought we were nuts. Okay. And uh, no, people said, oh, it was written for Ronnie Burns. It never was. Yeah, that's what I've uh, been hearing, you see. That's what I heard. It was a Ronnie yeah, Burns no, song. No, no, it wasn't. It was written for um, a band. And then Johnny specifically went out and wrote Smiley for, for, for Ronnie, Ronnie Burns. Burns yeah. um, Johnny was very... He was a great writer, a very underrated writer. He would tailor make the song to the person okay. to reflect their public persona. For instance, Smiley. Yeah, well, fantastic uh, song Bonnie for Ronnie. Always smiley with that big smile and the dimple in his cheek, right? Yep. yep. So, um, Rusty Wiley, I am the star. That's right, the, guy the star. Come yeah. along and he, he compared his own TV show mm-hmm. and uh, Lionel Rose. That's right. Uh, I thank you. Yeah. He, I thank you because yep. Lionel had become a world champion. He was such a humble guy and everyone loved him. Yep. It was perfect. You know, so Johnny was really good at reading yes. the, the public's persona, the view of the persona of a particular artist, and he picked it. Whereas with me, he didn't pick that. We picked it. We thought, no, we want something really different. He might have written something. If we had said, right, well, Girl That I Love would, would have been more than what he'd written for me. Right. But that's not what I wanted. We wanted something that was really left of centre. <laughs> you sure as heck picked something absolutely yeah. left of centre. Now, what about the next one that you did, which was uh, another sort of seven-minute anthem? 
Oh, six and six and a bit minute anthem, which was um, part three into Paper Walls. Was that was what was that all about? Well, this was sort of the beginning of the end for Ian and myself. Ian Ian became like Cecil B. DeMille, and he's still my dearest friend. I, I love him dearly. But he, he he decided that the next song we had to make had to be bigger than the real thing. And I said, Ian, you can't keep doing this. Right. You can't keep making things bigger and bigger and bigger. So he combined two songs, one song that Johnny wrote and one song that I wrote, and put them together. Mm-hmm. And uh, called it Parts Into Paper Walls. And mm. it, it ended with the real thing and went into this. And, and then he put the girl I love on the back with a big orchestra. And I just didn't want any of that. I, I wanted things to go to simplicity. Yes. And I wanted things to be simple. And he didn't see it that way. And we had a creative sort of uh, crossroads. Okay. And um, they were big hits, but I, 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 I didn't want to do lush songs with strings and sort of sort of uh, pop starry songs. I wanted to be more at that stage. I wanted to be like Cat Stevens or Neil Young or so that's where we start to fall apart. And that's okay. where I finally said to Ian, I'm going out on my own and I'm going to write all my own songs. If they're crap and they don't sell, so be it. But I'm, that's how I'm going to be. I'm going to be self-sufficient. Okay. So can you tell me, because one of my favourite songs of yours from that sort of time period is Sweet, Sweet Love and Wings of an Eagle. Is Sweet, Sweet Love, like the lyrics of that song, where was the inspiration for that? Was that somebody in your life at the time or or was it just yeah, an well, idea came up? It's actually two songs. Right. What happens, I was living in London and I was missing, I was living in a tiny little bedsit and I was missing Australia. Right. And on the wall, I had a photograph of my girlfriend, who I married, Paula. Yes. And she was standing on the beach, and it was sunny. And so that very first section, I can't believe I'm really meeting a girl like mm-hmm. you on such a day. Maybe I'm maybe only dreaming. Yep. Mr. Sun, come back to stay. It's right. like I'm missing. And that's all I'd written. Right. And I couldn't write in. I didn't know what to do with it. And it starts in a minor key and, and then resolves to a major. Yep. And then later on in my time in... London, I wrote the second half, which was a separate song to a girl like you. I don't know what to say. A girl like me becomes a tongue tied. And then I realized that actually the two of them could be tacked together. Right, okay. Because one finished in, it was in minor and then went to major. And the second part of this song that I wrote was in D major. So they had fitted. So I thought, I'll put that on as a prelude at the start of the song. Okay. And that's how that came about. Such a brilliant song. Absolutely love it. And Wings of an Eagle? What about Wings of an Eagle? Wings of an Eagle, the record company were harassing me to write a new song. Okay. And I walked out. I was at my mother's house. Well, I lived there. And I walked out and sat on the steps and picked up my guitar and started strumming. And it just, the whole first two verses came out without a hiccup. Wow. Um, uh, um, well, I'm looking out on an overcast sky in the morning. I can hear the morning is a call to you. As the birds migrate and the wind is changed, I, I see the eagle soaring, although I'm just a pawn in nature's game like you. That all came out straight away. Wow. Wahoo. And then I thought, where do I go from here? What am I going to write? Mm-hmm. Where does that go and how do I make it work? Yep. And I fiddled with it and I just kept repeating it and repeating it and I couldn't come up with an idea. And I said, oh, I'll go and watch the midday movie. Mm-hmm. So I went inside, picked up the TV week to see what, the movie was yes, yes. It was a John Wayne movie called oh. Wings of the Eagles. Yes, yes, yep, okay. And I thought, wow, that title works because I've already mentioned an eagle in the verse. Right. So I went back out and I wrote the chorus there and then. I wrote that song 
in that very quick. Fantastic stuff! <laughs> Brilliant. All right, let's let's move on a bit because I know I know you're an extremely busy man, and I'd I'd love to talk to you forever. I really would. Um, and I, I appreciate your time, my friend. Let's talk about your 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 um your your latest stuff. Like you did, you've got you've you had this trilogy. Where did the trilogy idea come from for Shark Mouth? Did you originally think I'm just going to write one album, and then you thought, no, I can't. To tell the story, it's going to have to be three albums. Well, what what happened? I was um, writing a blues album because right. I, I I hadn't sold a, a record for thirty years, mm-hmm. and I figured, who cares? I want to do something that I really love. Yes. So I decided to write and do music, and go back to what I first started doing: blues and rhythm and blues. Right. And I wrote about four songs, and. Uh, I sort of liked them, but they just didn't quite gel with me. And I was in Sydney and I saw a newspaper article about a criminal called Thomas Archer and his nickname was Shark Jaws. Okay. And the photograph I just loved. So I took the photograph back to Melbourne. Yes. Sat there one afternoon looking at it and it virtually spoke to me. It was almost like it said, son, I lived a hundred years ago. Bring me back to life. Okay. Okay. And I wrote the song. Once I wrote the song, the light bulb went off in my head because I grew up in Richmond uh-huh. where the streets of Squizzy Taylor walked and where all those criminals from Underbelly and all those people had come up and grown up and all the the, the people like the um, Kane, the Kane brothers, Les and what Kane and, and all that sort of stuff and the Prendergast. Yep. I'd experienced all that. So mm. I thought, I'm going to write about the streets and that's and I th- I thought blues is the perfect idiom for it because if I was writing say dance music it wouldn't work no because blues was around then in that time so I had a choice of doing country which was around that time and blues so I did blues because I like blues and I love it yes and that was where it took me and I wrote the first album and then I thought I've still got a whole lot of stories in my drawer here right I want to finish them so I decided to do a trilogy. Right. And I did the trilogy, and that was um, what, why three albums came out. Okay, okay. And the first one, obviously, um, certified platinum. So that went that went really well for you, number six on the ARIA charts. Uh, yeah, so they all did pretty well. I was, I was pretty pretty chuffed. I, got, I won two ARIAs. You and, did? And um, yeah. it was just really good. And uh, Shark Mouth was in the charts for something like 340 weeks, which was incredible. And, and the... Um, and the Van Diemen's Land, your highest charting album in your 50-year career. It reached number four on the overall ARIA charts. And you must have been like, wow, I should have been doing this 50 years ago. Or, or what? Was yeah, it something yeah, you transitioned yeah. into, I guess, or morphed into? Or you just didn't care whether you made a hit or not as long as you were allowed to do what you wanted to do? Yeah. I wanted, after I'd had Shark Mouth, I wanted to have a hit. But I just um, I wanted to make sure it was... Um, Credible and believable. So, yeah, it was just, and it was a great journey for me because I loved all those stories, and the stories I picked were the stories that I really loved personally. Uh-huh. So, and someone said, "Why didn't you do a fourth one?" Because I'd written about all the stuff I wanted to do. Okay, all right, and that okay. was why I stopped. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, even the even the third one, the uh, in two thousand and fifteen, when you had Red Dirt. Red Heart. That was uh, best blues and roots in in the area. Of, uh, areas again. 
that that was my favourite one actually. Yes, That's the one I liked the most. Yeah, fantastic. I, look, I love them all. I mean, I've been following your career since since your days of somebody's image, and and absolutely love all your music. And and to see you've been around for fifty years and you're still doing it. You've got this new album out that came out April of last year, Black and Blue Heart. So tell us a little bit about that before I let you go. Well, what I decided to do, I, I moved up to Queensland and I just started writing. And I originally started to write to do a blues album, another blues album, but not a historical one. Uh-huh. But they're the songs that came out. It was almost like I, I had no control over. I don't have any control over what I write unless I actually have a story that I'm going to start with. Yes. But if I'm writing abstractly like I do a lot of the times, whereas you pick up the guitar and you start humming a melody, that's what comes out. But if I'm going to write a story and it's about, say, uh, John Blow and he got a boat and he he sailed his boat to Indonesia and then he sailed his boat across the Pacific and I've got the whole story and it's a a different type of melody will come out, a different approach. Whereas if I write with a guitar and I just start singing willy-nilly melodies, yes, um, you never know what's going to come out. And I, I find that exciting but also frustrating sometimes because you get really great parts of songs but you never get sometimes get them completed because you can't find the other section. Right. Uh, the words don't fit right or it's like putting a, re- a square peg into a round hole. Um, it's easier to write a song where you've got the story from beginning to end and... I should do that more often, but I don't find enough stories that I want to write about. That's the that's <laughs> so part. The, so the album was produced by um, Bernard Fanning from Powderfinger and um, Nick Nick um, Didier. Nick Didier. Yeah. So I guess they would have influenced some of this, or or did you just do what you do, what you do, which is write great music and then get their feedback on it? Because they sort of described it as a rock album. Would you describe it as a rock album? Probably not rock, probably no. rock pop, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what what happened, I, I, I um, Bernard Fanning, through a friend we, we met, and uh, I asked them if they'd be interested, and I said, but please don't do it just as a project. You guys have got so many projects. I need you to listen to the songs. I'll give you all the songs. I need some sort of feedback. So I gave them the songs, and they rang me back within three days and said, listen, we love this. We want to do this album really really desperately so um and they took what i wanted to do i wanted to sound like a garage band but just one step up yep i didn't want anything over rehearsed or lines over rehearsed in the songs Mm -hmm. so i just wanted to sound a little bit casual right okay and how do you feel because i know you're a bit pushed for time um Russ, I won't keep it much longer. I just want to ask you, how do you feel? How do you feel as a performer? The last time I saw you live was a few years ago. With all this COVID and everything, I've I've been bunkered down for almost a year. But I saw you at the Big Red Bash in 2017, and I thought you were singing as good as you were right in your right in the prime of the 70s. How do you feel as a singer now that you've changed your style totally? I heard this new song with Kevin Boric, uh, "Call a Friend." And it's you're sort of, you know, doing the verses the same, and Kev doesn't sound anything like what you did way back in the seventies, and obviously these blues albums don't sound anything like what you did in the pop music in the seventies, late sixties and seventies. But when I hear you sing those songs, you can still sing them. In my opinion, you sound as good as the day I first heard you. How do you uh, feel? I've been, I was pretty fortunate, uh, along with my dear, with my mate John Farnham, we both went to the same singing teacher. Okay. 
Okay. And uh, that was Jack White and Jack White and Voila Ritchie. And right. uh, they really taught us pretty well how to sing. And uh, I've been fortunate enough that I, because I wanted to be an actor before a singer. Okay. So I'm quite fortunate that I can change my voice a little bit. Okay. But you did do a little bit of acting because you also did uh, riff raff yep. in the um, in the in the stage music of the Rocky Horror. So you've done a little bit of acting, and you also did uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. Which do you prefer, yeah, not acting that was, or not that, that was acting? But uh, yeah, I, I've always wanted to be an actor, and I never got a chance. But so I got a chance to act when I did Sharkmouth because I became different characters, and I sung with that ominous type of uh, scary type of voice. Okay, I can go from up here. I got it. Just a few different timbers that you get in your voice. Russ, you got the most incredible voice. I'm not just saying that. I I think your singing is great. You 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 stage. You have so much fun up there, and I just do enjoy it. You do. It just shows. I've got got a band. I've got a band from hell. These guys, they're the best band around. So they're the guys that that you would have had when I saw you back in at the Bash, yeah. That's the band. Such yeah. an incredible band. Like your drummer. How old your drummer? He's only a young fella, isn't he, compared to the rest of you guys? <laughs> Johnny, no, Johnny's the same age as me. Oh, really? Oh, goodness me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> or is it your bass player? you got one guy up there who's the really... bass player was young, yeah. Ah, that's it. I'm getting confused. Because I'm going to say, one of them just looked right out of place yeah. by comparison to the rest of you yeah. guys. Um, and it was him. How old is he, by, by, by the way? Uh, the bass player was thirty-four. Okay, okay, wow, bass yeah. player's thirty-four, and you guys was like in your in your well back then you would have been in your late sixties. Johnny and I, yeah, we'd been in our sixties then, yeah. and Pete, Pete was in his forties, late forties. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh huh, fantastic stuff, mate. I, I really appreciate your time today. I'd love to chat. And I appreciate yours, Phil, and you, you take care and good luck to everyone in Victoria with uh, this dreadful thing that's happening. Let's oh, hope it yeah. goes away soon. It's all over the planet, mate, and and I really would love to catch up with you at another stage and talk to you a bit later on when all this nonsense I'll, goes I'll down. I've got the number, mate, so you can ring me anytime you want. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll, I've posted your stuff up on the gig guide. I didn't realise you only had uh, – you got four gigs. I thought you've only seen two, so I've posted the two current yeah. ones. I'll look for the others and I'll put them up on the website. Yeah, well, two two I know are in uh, in uh, Townsville. They're on the um, in the Spiegel tent okay. on the twenty fifth and twenty sixth of September, and the, the other two twenty second and twenty third. Oh no, the twelfth and the thirteenth. I can't remember. Down down on the Gold Coast. Okay, fantastic. All right, mate. Look, I'll let you go. I know you're flat Thanks, out. Mate. I know Thanks you're busy. Me. Thank you so much. And I'll be I'll be I'll be playing as much of your music as I can on my program every Sunday and try and. Uh, Try and make sure people catch on to these later albums as well as listening to your classic hits. I appreciate it. Thanks a million, mate. You're very welcome. Thank you so much, Ross. Okay, see you, mate. Thank you, mate. Bye.